The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co. established 1977 have personal and domestic water filters which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting alkaline ionized mineral water which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals and bacteria so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Dr. Oscar Serilac is a doctor of functional medicine with a special interest in postnatal well-being. Prior to completing his fellowship in general practice and family medicine in 2010, he was working mainly in emergency medicine. His initial studies in functional medicine coincided with starting a family, which naturally led him to consider the science through the particular lens of pregnancy, birth and the postnatal period, observing his own partner and many mothers through his clinical work. Dr. Serilac was first to recognize something he termed postnatal depletion, describing the broader clinical pattern of many women presenting with symptoms after having children. He has since dedicated his work towards researching this condition and applying the practice of functional medicine to help his clients with their recovery. He lives near Byron Bay, Australia with his partner and their three children. The Postnatal Cure is his first book. Dr. Serilac, or can I call you Oscar? It is so great to have you on the podcast, mate. How are you? Good. You can call me Oscar. I prefer that. And no, great to be here. Thank you, Peter. So I'd love for you to actually explain what type of doctor you are to the audience. Um, yeah, so I specialize in functional medicine. Uh, in Australia, it's also called integrative medicine or nutritional, nutritional and environmental medicine. And it's it's a type of medicine that not only looks at sort of disease processes and the standard things you'd expect from a doctor, but it's looking at how the body functions. And so 
not just about dis-ease, but looking at optimal sort of function of you know, different parts of how people sort of operate. So it's a, it's quite complex. And what makes it quite different to normal, normal medicine is that it's looking at systems. So not just single organs, but it's looking at how is the whole body operating at any one time and looking at optimal levels of blood tests or hormone tests rather than just looking at the reference range of you you have a disease or you don't have a disease, which is uh, what a lot of the medical training is. So it's a really amazing field of medicine to be in, and uh, it's, it's probably been around for a good 30 years uh, you know, I, I come from an emergency medicine background. You know, I, I got to a stage where it was the only sort of honest bastion of medicine that I sort of could sort of tolerate working in. And um, once I started a family, the hours of emergency medicine weren't particularly sort of friendly to that. So I moved into sort of general practice. And in general practice, I sort of felt like uh, a bit of a drug pusher, really. Just so you know, I was in a, a room by myself all day, you know, six to eight minute appointments. And just all I had was my prescription pad. Mm. And, you know, it's, uh, it wasn't a great future that I saw myself in that. And I, and I, I joined ACNAM, which is the Australasian College of Nutritional Environmental Medicine. So about 400 doctors uh, in Australia and in the Pacific that are associated with this group. And, you know, I started learning uh, a lot about a different way to, to do medicine, all backed with a lot of science behind what I was learning and really making a difference for people as well. That was the other thing that I was finding quite frustrating from a general practice point of view. I was stopping the rot in terms of chronic disease, but I didn't really feel like I was helping people and I didn't have the time uh, or the skill set to really sort of know what to do. And uh, one of the things I really like about functional medicine is you really get to talk about things like sleep, relationship and you know, someone's purpose, what's important to them. Um, now you really sort of dig deep into bowel function and how the you know, digestive tract's working. Uh, you know, you can really tie things together and sort of join the dots. You know, if someone's got a skin condition, they've got a, a hormone condition and they've got a, a gut issue, you know, they, they can be all uh, related rather than just being sort of compartmentalized and you see the endocrinologist for your hormone problem and you see the dermatologist for your skin problem and, and uh, you know, there's no cross-connecting between any of those sort of specialties. So, so can I take a step back? So you're a traditionally trained doctor that went through medical school. Yeah. Every doctor goes through medical school to be qualified. And then I guess some become GPs, some become specialists in certain fields and go on and do other studies. Whereas what is available and what you've chosen is advanced studies in functional medicine, which looks at, I guess, the body as a whole. Mm. And you apply that in your normal practice. Whereas I still don't understand why more and more doctors don't do this. I guess you've got experience with this. Have, have you got an opinion about this yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great question. It's one that I, I talk to quite frequently with colleagues and, and other people. And so, as a doctor, I had to, you know, you have to specialise in something. So I specialised in family medicine or general practice, and you, you can't just be a GP. You actually have to sort of specialise in that as well. Mm-hmm. And by the time of a man's or woman's career, you know, and they've done all that, they're typically in their late 30s, early 40s. 
know, they've been through medical school the first sort of, you know, four or five years in the hospital system and then sort of specialised, which is another several years. Um, you're in a place where you may have already started a family and you're quite committed. And I, I see a lot of doctors not wanting, you know, they're curious, but they're not wanting to change direction, but they're already quite committed in, in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, paying off medical school fees, you know, uh, maybe wanting to buy a house, those kind of things. So they kind of already set down a path. So it takes a big shift to move off that. There's less money to be made doing functional medicine. So I think that's something that is quite off-putting. If, you know, if someone's dropping their you know, wage or salary by you know, 30 to 50%, it's a pretty big ask for, for you know, to, to ask a doctor to do that purely because they're, they're interested in their craft, as it were. And and then you know, I think just doctors are quite conservative by nature. You know, there was a really interesting study that looked at what changes a doctor's behaviour, and they had a look at every possible, you know, imaginable aspect of you know journal articles and and, and the, you know the, the College of Specialist recommendations and those kind of things. And the thing that motivates a doctor to change their behaviour you know, more than anything else is what are their immediate peers? You know, the, the doctor down the corridor. What are they doing? Yep. So there's kind of a very much a, a herd mentality within medicine. So it's a pretty brave thing to step out of that and decide that you, you know, may take a hit in your wage and do something that's not necessarily mainstream or, or fully accepted by the medical industry. So let's delve a little bit deeper into functional medicine. So a patient comes in to see you. Yeah. What then happens because I'm asked all the time who was a great functional medical doctor and I guess it's probably like anything there's there's probably excellent and there's probably uh, ones that possibly need a bit more training or uh, it's like any industry I guess there's good chefs and there's not so good chefs (laughs) so a patient comes in to see you what's the first thing or what are the processes for them And, and what does a good functional medical doctor ask their patient. Yeah, that's a great question. And like like you say, there is a spectrum of ability for sure. And one of the things with functional medicine is, you know, the doctor needs to be spending a lot more time with, you know, the patient or the client and actually start a process. And so for me, the typical intake uh, is a two-hour process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, the client will spend an hour with my naturopath and you know, there's a 10-page questionnaire that someone's done sort of beforehand and and the questionnaire asks everything that you expect from a, a medical visit, you know, past medical history, allergies, medications, uh, but we also really delve into what supplements you're taking and then you know, do a, uh, quite a long checklist of uh, looking at sleep, diet, purpose, activity levels, and at the end of that, we do something called a wish list. And so, uh, and a wish list is just a way of looking at someone's health goals. So that's a really important part of me being able to assess whether I can actually really help someone is is to go, are we sort of on the same page in terms of what we're trying to achieve? And what's actually important for you may not be important for me or or vice versa. And so the wish list is very revealing for me. And uh, sometimes you you expect something quite different to a, no, what what the last two hours has has you've gone through with the client, but the wish list is essentially about well, this is what I really want some movement on. You know, I'm, I've had chronic pain. Maybe that's something that's not so important for me to improve. But my energy is really low, and I'd really like to have better energy. And so that may be the the number one on their wish list. So it's really, I find that a very rewarding thing to really sort of break down those sort of health goals because that at least 
and we're on the same page and then, then I can really sort of see how can I help this person or not and are we a good fit. What I'm loving about that and, and two words that, that, that really sprung out to me then was uh, purpose and yeah. also I really like that wish list because the first thought I had was you're basically getting the patient to put an intention on what they want to achieve. So it already energetically, they're, they're setting themselves in and uh, creating a space for healing and a space for potential of, of where they want to go. But let's talk about purpose a little bit more because I don't think there's probably too many people that have gone into their local doctor and uh, have been asked, what is your purpose or what does purpose <laughs> mean to you? So let's, let's talk about that a little bit more because this fascinates me. Yeah, and, and it's a great topic to sort of talk about. It's not an easy one to broach because it's not something that people are particularly used to talking about. Um, or sometimes even comfortable talking about it, and especially in a medical sort of setting. And so you know, I'll often start the conversations about what are the things that are really important for you? you know, what do you see as your um, direction where you're going with your work? And, and sort of start looking at what people are doing with their hours during their, their day and, and, uh, and then start to look at, well, you know, where do you find most happiness? Where do you find most of your joy and then really start to explore that and because that is such a functional important irreplaceable thing to have and i've seen people who have everything else but if you don't have purpose you don't have wellness mm. i've seen people who have you know, shocking medical issues and degenerative joint issues or and and chronic pain but they have extreme purpose and so that overrides the physical stress that they're experiencing. So it's, it's, it's a great topic to sort of talk about. And it's something that grows as a person understands more about, about the sort of topic. And I'll often sort of bring in people who, you know, maybe a psychologist, maybe a family therapist, you know, maybe, you know, they're, they're looking at you know, someone to help with that sort of process. It can take a while if someone's not used to looking at that and, and even understand how important that, sort of, that that is because often our purpose, what we think our purpose is given to us by the outside, not actually you know, made on the inside of ourselves and, and then we kind of shine that out onto the world. I love that. And your clinic that you work in or you work in a few clinics uh, mm. or a couple of clinics, yeah. you have set up something quite unique which I believe is going to be the future of, of medicine is because you basically have a one-stop shop. Now, can you tell us about uh, your clinic, where it's located, and the, the type of services that you offer and the type of practitioners that you that you have in there? And what I love as well is you have uh, information nights that you put on for, for anybody that wants to come, and there seems to be a lot of information that you, you want to share with the public. So uh, let's, let's delve a little bit deeper into that. And I also want to touch, and this leads us back because you mentioned naturopath before, that your client first off will spend an hour with a naturopath. So yeah. let's weave... Uh, that together because I think it's so fundamentally important in today's age. Yeah, and it's uh, you know I think having a team is vitally important if you're wanting to sort of really look at all the aspects and the complexities that is the sort of human form, as it were. And so you know I, my principal place of work is in Byron Bay. It's in a place called the Health Lodge. It's the first of its kind in Australia, and I was sort of one of the directors that sort of set it up along with Ren Dubois, who's a naturopath, and it's. It's essentially a facility that people can sort of stay long term. So I think there are five rooms from memory that you know, people can sort of stay for a few days or for a few weeks or whatever their uh, needs are. And, and it's we have a what's called a 
client-centric model. So the client is in the middle of the process and the team gathers around them and the team will often have discussions, meetings with the patient in between themselves and decide you know, what they think you know, is, is their combined expertise in deciding what the best path forward is. And, you know, and for me, it's an incredibly exciting thing to be part of. And, and sometimes you may think there is something that's quite important, but there's actually something that needs to occur beforehand before people even get access to looking at those other issues. And so, the, uh, and so in the team, we have... Uh, uh, several naturopaths. We have uh, traditional Chinese uh, medical uh, practitioner, two of them, uh, and they do acupuncture and herbs. We up until recently had a um, uh, we've got one, one psychologist. We we had two psychologists before. We had a trauma worker there, um, a hypnotherapist, a functional sort of physiotherapist, which is a physiotherapist has done lots of extra training. Uh, in certain fields, we have you know, an osteopath and chiropractic, visiting chiropractics to help assess someone's physical form. You know, it's, it's a, and there are probably lots of other people that I'm not even remembering, but it's, just, it's a vast team. And, and we have a meeting every Friday to talk about cases. And, that, and for me, that's probably the favorite part of the week because we, you, know, you get to sort of hear different people's perspectives on someone you think you know quite well. Hmm. And I've had some very interesting breakthroughs at those meetings about, okay, about how physical tension and hormonal health and sleep issues and um, you know, incorrect alignment all kind of weave in together. And, and, um, uh, and you know, the body sometimes has a, um, a bit of a hierarchy of how it prefers to be sort of dealt with. And it's not always through supplements or through, you know, um, the work that I do it may actually be through uh, a physical therapist or um, or through herbs. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that it's uh, you know every everybody's different like that. Mm. Uh, I find that fascinating as well because uh, I've been working with uh, a neuroemotional uh, technique therapist for for twenty years, and mm. it's always we'll deal with the priority that you need to shift at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, it's usually not your wish list of sorts or the things that you think you might need to work through. It's actually, well, let's find out what the priority is. What, yeah. what does your body want to work on now? Or what does it feel like as a priority? And it's, it's always quite surprising. And then when you do work on it, it's like, of course, that's what needed to happen at this particular time in my life or, or, or at this particular time in history for, for us to progress to the next level. It's, 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 I, I find it just so fascinating and interesting the work, the, how our bodies work. Yeah, and we're so it's incredibly complex that you know, when you, anyone ever, some, you know, a practitioner says, and I understand the body really well, I, I'm quite sceptical, but I think as a team you actually have a much better idea of, understanding how things are and now the wish list is coming from the mind it's a thought sort of process and like you say sometimes there are heart issues or other issues that need to be addressed first before you know know, so the mind has to sort of almost queue up Mm. (laughs) uh, to get to get what it needs and and that's often where the success is so it's great that you've been sort of uh, getting that sort of therapy yourself and it's very uh, very useful I think. Well, I think this is why this podcast is so important that we're doing right now is because a lot of people don't understand what functional or integrative medicine is and that it's available in Australia and and, uh, different parts of the world and that it is a holistic approach 
that's based in scientific medical principles, yeah. but you're also taking a holistic viewpoint and you're taking into consideration the sleep, the sunlight, the thought patterns, the belief systems, how do people, uh, are they, do they love themselves? Do they live yeah. in a, a state of fear? And I think it is so great that you're setting the benchmark now for the future of what uh, medical centres, if that's what we could call them, can be and should be because people want to get better. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. I think people are uh, so wanting to feel pain-free, to feel a life of where they can go and actually live their life. And you just touched on success before, and, mm. and I'm not sure whether you could talk about uh, individual cases or not, but can you give me an overview of the, of, of the success that you've had from the clinic and, and from working in this field of functional medicine? Yeah, I and mean, um, I've, I've had the whole range of, of people with, you know, from severe dis disabling arthritis to autoimmune disease to diabetes that you know, shouldn't be reversible, you know, being reversed. And, you know, that doesn't, not everyone has success with this model. I think people need to be really open and be quite motivated to some degree. If you're a, a passive expect things to happen type person, you know, the functional modest model, uh, no, I, th I think has less success, uh, but you need to be empowered. You know, so this is actually rather than a disempowerment, which the medical model often causes people to feel. This is an empowering model where we actually really ask people to look at what's going on for them and, and really promote some self-honesty and some self-love and some really good practices and that's essentially you can really improve people's well-being but the lo the longer term picture is about what people are doing at home and within their relationships and uh, within themselves so how do you quantify that say say i'm a skeptic or there's somebody that's listening yeah. to this as a skeptic and they've just heard that you are saying that it's down to the patient of how much they're willing to put in basically, and how much they can empower themselves to make the change. Mm. And to me, I understand it and I, I, I get it. But if you're a skeptic out there, you'd be like, oh, come on. You yeah, and, and, you know, I do have a lot of uh, skeptical people coming into the clinic, but they may be um, a relative or the partner of someone who's coming in, or they may be one of the uh, parents of a child who don't you know, necessarily believe in the holistic view and so you know, I'm, I'm having these discussions every day and and so in terms of quantifying so you know there are measures that are you know validated questionnaires that we'll often use to see if people how people are going and if they're improving in their symptom scores you know maybe pain scores or um uh, quality of living types sort of scores you know and, and they're accepted in the medical literature in terms of ways to um, see if, if people are improving uh, and then we do a lot of blood workups and uh, other sort of testing and, and seeing improvements in uh, inflammatory markers and seeing improvements in people's blood pressure and their blood sugars and and, and that's that's it's uh, lab tested on paper can't be denied type sort of data and so you know I, I see that all the time in terms of things that shouldn't be you know, technically can't be reversed or shouldn't improve, uh, improving. Fantastic. And these are things like autoimmune disease, arthritic conditions, um, cardiac conditions, uh, you know, lung conditions. You know, there, there's, there's a whole spectrum there.
How much of it, I guess as a percentage, if you could say it, is diet related or I guess decades and decades and decades of eating the wrong type of diet? How, how prevalent is that and how much can diet change somebody's, as you mentioned, autoimmune issues, type 2 diabetes? Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's you know, For me, it's the principle and it's more than just the food that you eat. I mean, what I'm fascinated by, every it's everything that goes through your mouth and into your intestine. So it's you know it's the quality of the water that we're drinking. It's it's the types of bacteria that are living um, in our intestines as well. And you, know, you can be eating the perfect diet and, and still not be great because of you know, maybe lots of antibiotics you had as a child and you've lost the ideal sort of set of bacteria in, in your gut. And there's a lot of research around that uh, happening. If you have a lot of antibiotics before the age of three, you know you can really have a very inflamed life thereafter. Um, and then I think you know, another thing I'm fascinated by is how we eat. You know, do we eat alone? Do we eat standing up? Do we not chew our food enough? Do we not, not bring enough? You know, are we watching TV and not particularly sort of con- and conscious about what we're sort of doing? And those things all affect the digestive process and how we sort of interact. And our main source of interaction with the environment is through the intestine. Most people don't sort of realize how profound and how important that is it's not that we're interacting through what we see or what we touch or what we smell it's what's going through our intestines you know is it a hostile world out there is it a a world that's has abundance and and lots of um, uh, sufficient nutrients you know that's all assessed through the intestines and the research around how that actually occurs is, is just expanding year to year and for me it's such an exciting time to be in functional medicine because um, our understanding of what we sometimes intuitively know or we clinically see people getting improvements, we're not too sure why, and then you know, we're starting to get explanations around that. So it's yeah, it's a very fun time to be here working in functional medicine. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.